So we're going to talk about eternal life again. Uh, this is going to be a nice uh, follow-up to last week's podcast. I will say this is a little longer episode, but we just uh, halfway through decided, do we make this a two-parter or a one-parter? I think it's better just to leave it as it is. I do... We do ask that, hey, if, you're, if your ears are getting heavy, your eyelids are getting heavy, just put a pause on and give it. Uh, we're reading right through the Word of God today, and I want that Word of God to have its proper place in your heart to give full sway to the Holy Spirit. I even saw Corey's eyes getting a little heavy at times, and that's the language of the, that's this, <laughs> that's the language. <laughs> you know, I got to say one thing, this End of section 85 that we're going to get to also says something about retire to your bed early. And last night, I think I got to bed at midnight and still got up. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, nothing makes you feel better when you're, you're just expounding on the word and getting excited about something to look across the table and see your your brother's eyes closed. Oh my god, this never happened before. <laughs> I, was, I was just man, you know. All right, so you, you caught me, but thirty eight B to sleep longer than is needful. Retire that bed early. I'll remember that next time. Yeah. We I get think to we said podcast last night. Our power went off, and, and my wife and I were both up way past midnight. And I knew we I was going to get up at 6.30 this morning anyway for this. But, yeah. So, anyway, any of you out there who uh, start to get tired or feel yourself dozing off, just, just hit pause and come back later refreshed <laughs> because we are going to read through the Word of God. And this is really, again, the plain plan of salvation that we need to be willing to share with the world, with our brothers and sisters, this plan of Christ's love for us. It's a perfect brightness of hope that it gives us. And you can't have a perfect brightness of hope if it's a convoluted mess of words and ideas that just aren't scriptural. And so I just pray the Holy Spirit guides you. So take a break, go out, walk around, stretch, come back at another time. But we hope you enjoy this. Amen. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm the friend of Mike Barrett. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation as we discuss all things that uh, can't be seen, but uh, our knowledge, such as the force of good and evil. Yeah, and sometimes we're having really casual conversations, but we always think about eternity. (laughs) Hey, this week I (laughs) I was driving down the road. I love my job. I love the city. I feed off its energy during the day. There's mm. so many. <laughs> we really have an awesome city. There's so, many, there's so many crazy things that I see during the day. And if I could just, I need to get a camera, like one of those that always is recording while you're driving. Yeah. Corey, I kid you not, I'm driving down the road, and I look to the right, and I think, am I seeing what I'm seeing? I see a person walking with a long staff, a very long staff. And I thought, hey, it's a Jedi. And as I <laughs> and I laughed, I thought, no, it's not. And as I got closer with the car, this person is decked out in complete Jedi gear, like the recent <laughs> Star Wars movie with the dress and has like the laser hanging at and the or the, the tan and brown and yeah, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I drove by and blinked. I'm like, what did I just see? So I went down and I turned around and got my phone out and I came back and I, and I start recording videos I'm driving. And as you get closer and closer, 
it looked like someone's and, and this isn't like this is just like walking down the road <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not going it, it, it's not <laughs> and it's not on may the 4th like right. may the 4th be with you right <laughs> so I think by the fourth time I went by, I was really creeping her out, and there was a smile on her face like, yeah, I know you're doing. You're taking my picture, and I'm not even going to even acknowledge that I'm dressed in Jedi gear. You probably weren't the first person to see that. (laughs) So anyway, that was was fun. 40 Highway a couple years ago. I, I saw a person herding like four goats down, <laughs> right over there by Costco in 291. They were, they were walking down the edge of the road with four goats. Nope. <laughs> Who knows, right? Yeah. Hey, you do you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you got uh, some scriptures to you, share? You've got scriptures, bud. You keep texting me everything on Section 85. Where's your mind been with all that? Okay. So I had a listener a while ago ask about, um, after listening to some of our discussions on eternal life, she asked me about section 85 and some of the particulars there. So what I did was I just took that section from uh, restored gospel and copied it into one note and then went through it uh, a couple weeks ago on a Saturday morning, um, space by space. And I, I felt like I had some good clarity at the time. Uh, and so I thought maybe we'd talk about this section of the Doctrine and Covenants because it's, again, an area that talks about, in different places, salvation or resurrection of the dead and glories. And we see these words, again, celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. And so let's, uh, let's just dive in. This, this section, 85, was given in 1832, and it's called the Olive Leaf the Lord's message of peace to us. This is what you find in the in the preamble to it or whatever, the intro. It was given through Joseph Jr. while he was at Kirtland, Ohio. And at the time, Corey, there was some saints. There was like two big strongholds or gatherings, main gatherings of saints. One was in Kirtland, Ohio, correct, where they ended up building the temple. And one was in Independence, Missouri. And so I don't, I don't know what all was going on. You could probably read more about it in the times and seasons or in the church, but apparently there was some um, conflict or maybe maybe some power struggles or how to do whatever in the church. And so whatever was going on, there seemed to be a need for these two groups of men who were all involved in this in the kingdom of God, right, this gospel that has come back to be at peace, the Lord's message of peace to us, the olive leaf. Right. And so it starts out with this. Um, verily, this is important, the very first verse. It says, Verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, who have assembled yourselves together to receive his will concerning you. So that's important to know who is speaking, especially later on. Mm-hmm. This is this is um, the language that this is God speaking, not not Joseph, not anybody else. Thus saith the Lord unto you. Right. Um, it says it's pleasing that you've come together. I'm not going to read everything. But right here in the very second thing, it says, it's pleasing unto your Lord, and the angels rejoice over you. And your prayers have, been, have come up to the ears of the Lord and are recorded in the book of the names of the sanctified, even them of the celestial world. Mm. 
So here's the first time right off the bat we hear we see this word celestial. And so I know that being trained in the in our faith that our minds probably go to different places. We we picture a sun glory based on our teachings. But what what did he equate the celestial word world to right here? And one B, it just simply says the book of oh. the names of the sanctified. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the next verse. Yeah. Yeah. So what's it mean to be sanctified? Yeah, to be removed from sin, right? Yeah, have sin removed. So that's yeah. all that's that's uh he says these men are praying unto him, their names are recorded in the in the um in the book where the names of the sanctified are, the gotcha. celestial world. So it's the, the celestial world is the world of those that are sanctified. It says that. And then we have a reference and, to a book right away. We talked last time, or we've talked before about the book of life. Right, right. That the, revelation brings up. Yeah. I, I like I like that you're pointing this out, too, because, and I'm sorry, when you asked me a question, I'm realizing, man, I was a little distracted because when you mentioned, uh, uh, what's well, the publication Times and Seasons, Times and Seasons was like the Nauvoo thing, but I got curious. And at centerplace.org, they have some of the older publications. Uh, Evening and Morning Star was actually the publication of Kirtland. And you could probably read a little bit more about the history there, which maybe we should do at some point to put this in context. But you're, you're right. This is what Jesus says is, hey, there's no unclean thing in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. It can't be. So it makes sense that the celestial would be the description of the place that's sanctified yeah and and also this is when it says this is the message of god's message of peace to us whatever was going on uh, whenever it says there needs to be peace then you think well there, there must have been some conflict so what is the message of peace hey i'm hearing your prayers they're recorded mm. in the celestial world in this book of those that are sanctified be yeah. at peace yeah like we're all on the same place your desires are to serve me i'm i'm want to work with you to establish my kingdom, be at, be at peace. So this mm. is the very first thing. He's, I hear your prayers. They're being recorded in this book of those that are sanctified. Interesting. So the next thing that he talks about, and we talked about this last, last uh, time about uh, the bridegroom and the groom and how uh, once they're are betrothed, once they make, they sign their commitment to each other in the Hebrew culture, the bridegroom would would go back to his father and he would build a room onto the house and prepare a place for the bride. And once that was prepared, he would come back. But we talked about Jesus telling his disciples that I go away to prepare a place for you, but he says, I send to you a comforter uh, to, to, to be with you and to bear witness of me and the father. We know that that's what it does. That So they knew that he hadn't really left them, but that his spirit would dwell within them. Right. So right here we read the very next verse. I send upon you a comforter, upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts. Even the Holy Spirit of promise, and we talked about that. This comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, and we talked about this last week, even as re- is recorded in the testimony of John. Mm-hmm. So, we had a nice, I think, a segue into this from our, our podcast last time. And this comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom. So here we equate eternal life, eternal life, just that's simple. Just eternal life is the celestial world. It's, it's the place where God and Jesus and his kingdom 
eternal life means the celestial world. Eternal death would be something opposite to that, where they aren't, where they don't dwell. But that's all it simply says. That's how it describes the celestial kingdom up to this point. Um, and then it gives some other uh, characteristics of what that looks like. It's the place that the church of the firstborn is, even God, the holiest of all, through Jesus Christ, his son. Uh, he that ascended up on high, as also he descended below all things. What do you think that's referring to? Yeah, that would be like, I would think preaching in hell or, you know, mm-hmm. ministering to those in the prison house. And so that he could comprehend all things, that he might be in and through all things. So Christ, this is Christ they're talking about, the light of truth, which truth shineth. shineth. This is the light of Christ. So, so far we're talking about just one light, the light of Christ, that, that God came down in the form of Christ and he went below all things, above all things, he experienced hell, and this is the light of Christ the light of truth. And it says, as also, and he, it's still talking about Christ. There's no separation. As also, he is in the sun, in the light of the sun, and the power by which it was made, Jesus created all things. He is also in the moon. He is the light of the moon and the power thereof by which it was made. He is also the light of the stars and the power thereof by which they were made. And the earth also, and the power thereof, even the earth upon which you stand. And now it says, one light, and the light which now shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same light that quickeneth your understanding, which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill space. So we're just, we're talking about, the same light. It's the light of Jesus Christ referenced to all of these different places. It's not that Christ's light is in one place. It's just saying he lights up the sun. He lights up the moon. He lights up the stars. He's in and through all things. He's even been to below all things, which we would say was hell, to comprehend all things. He is the light of truth, Jesus, God in the form of the flesh, Jesus, God. So that's where we're at so far as the premise of of the beginning of this. And so we have to carry that forward now and go forth a little bit farther. Uh, It says, the light is in all things and giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed. So now I think it's important to take these words, this light and this law and things being governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in in the bosom of eternity who is in the midst of all things. So I I think my first point is, have we heard of anything being separated so far? Or is it more this? there's just everything is all together, one by the same light? Yeah, it seems like it's it's one and his light penetrates everything. Yeah. And, and it even equates this light to the power of God. So in me it's saying Christ and God is God or it is all one thing, mm-hmm. okay? And he's in the bosom of eternity, and he's in the midst of all things. So, so far we're talking about light, referring to the moon, the stars, the sun, the earth, and the one who gives us understanding, all one thing. And now here's an interesting thing, because the Book of Mormon talks about the soul or the spirit, 
in a different way. It talks about the body being reunited to the soul, the body being reunited to the soul. And um, the Doctrine and Covenants, it's interesting, clearly uh, defines, and this scripture is pretty popular in defining what the soul is. Four a uh, Verse 4a says, that through the redemption is made for you is brought to pass the resurrection from the dead and the spirit and the body is the soul of man. Mm. And so this is defining soul as this finished product of when the spirit is resurrected and reunites with the body that's resurrected. And then they be, it becomes that incorruptible, uh, un, uh, you know, it can't pass away again. Uh, immortal, incorruptible, that's the soul. Amen. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So we just, in the Book of Mormon, I think when you're seeing soul, it's that's more of the, that would be another word for spirit. The spirit, right. The soul right, is reunited to the right, body. This right. just kind of clarifies, uh, I like that, because your soul, we, it's, you could think of the soul as just the spiritual thing, but here yeah. it's saying, no, your soul is also physical and spiritual meshed together, but yeah. after they're resurrected. Like the total final right. essence of the package. It's kind of, uh, at times we've talked about how in the Hebrew, the the mind and the heart and the bosom and the bowels are, are kind of, it's just, it's this this thing that is almost indescribable. It's that spirit or feeling or within you. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I just listened to... Uh, uh, well, I listened to uh, um, well, uh, a brother preached at church a couple of weeks ago about the bowels. He's a doctor, but but I think he was. He, it sounded like he was referring to the Bible Project uh, because it was almost word for word out of there. They talk about this same thing: these bowels within your mm. um, within you that groan, or that it's like your spirit. But that's the Hebrews had this more, and we put it up here in our chest area, like our feeling, our yeah. whatever makes you or hurt, yeah. So anyway, so so far, we're talking about the fact that redemption is made for you, and and this redemption is brought about by what the resurrection from the dead, where the spirit and the body reunite. That is all coordinated with redemption, and um. So this is important because this this concept right here so far is going to be expounded upon as the resurrection, but this doesn't say anything yet about any. Uh, eternal dwelling place other than God is through all things. And and so far, when you're talking about sun, light, moon, stars, you're just talking about Christ lights all of these things. All of these things. Yeah. So the glories, I think, are, are talking again about the resurrection, the spirit by which you're quickened by. So let's let's go on and see what this says. So what is the resurrection from the dead? 4B says it's the redemption of the soul. It's where the, the body and the spirit are reunited. And the redemption of the soul is through him who quickeneth all things. And it says, In whose bosom it is decreed that the poor and the meek of the earth shall inherit it. Shall inherit it. So, so listen to that. What is that it? I think it's talking about, well, it says, this, this word it is very important because it talk it. it, it follows us into our future conversation of what we're talking about. So it says the resurrection from the dead, redemption of the soul, body, and the spirit, through him who quickeneth all things, in whose bosom it is decreed that the poor and the meek of the earth shall inherit it. Inherit what? That's a question. The poor and the meek of the earth shall inherit it. I think it's talking about the earth. Right, right. And in that it's, well... 
Yeah, keep going because yeah. I think then it describes how and why. Right. Therefore, it must needs be sanctified from all unrighteousness, right. that it may be prepared for the celestial glory. Right. It was talking about the earth. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as you pointed out, just to repeat, is that, you know, celestial just means it's sanctified from sin. Sanctified from sin. And here it says it again. It has to be sanctified from all unrighteousness or from sin that it may be prepared for the celestial glory. And th- this is a state, not a... So we'll read on. For it hath filled the measure of its creation. For after it has filled the measure of its creation, it shall be crowned with glory, even with the presence of God the Father. Right. So, Which is the crowning glory that God is here. Yeah. Right. So I said, so what is it? It's, it's the earth, I think. Mm-hmm. The earth has to be sanctified. And I love this phrase, fulfill the measure of your creation. Mm-hmm. And this is going to come into play. How did the earth, it says, after it's filled the measure of its creation, it shall be crowned with glory, even the presence of God the Father. So the earth was created as a dwelling place for the Father eventually, and that's how it fulfills its measure of creation. What's, what's another way to say that? It, it completes its purpose. Right. It, it, it's completing its purpose, which is ultimately what God wants for us, which is why when I believe Jesus said, hey, I will that you be perfect, it wasn't a commandment, even though, I mean, it's a great idea, and I think it is the goal that we, we live in this life you know, without sin and follow his every word, that would be in our minds perfection and keeping the commandments. But there's a there's a deeper element to it in that he he's also you can read it a totally different way. He's like, I will that you be perfect, meaning I want you to experience right. perfection. And th- it will only happen when you're sanctified from sin and the world is sanctified from sin. And this is when it happens. I will my desire is for you to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. he knows that the the other thing I think about when I hear about this fulfilling the measure of our creation, I think of that scripture in the old testament. I think it says, Does my words go out and then return to me void? Right. And doesn't it talk about the rain? For, I don't. I, I may be mixing up. No, no, you're scriptures. good. Like yeah, if King, the, King Noah said something. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> bring that up. How many? <laughs> how many have we gone without King Noah? <laughs> I know, but it just fit. Uh, so, um, fulfilling the measure of our creation, it's God has a purpose, and uh, we can fulfill our own measure. We can do our own plan for our life, or we can fulfill the plan that God has for us. Which that plan for each one of us is that we are able to be sanctified so that we can be brought back into the presence of the Father, just like the earth will be sanctified and fulfill his measure of creation. Which is what it means when it says, I'm going to bring to pass the immortality and eternal eternal life of man. My work and my glory. Yeah, and and so this, I I love what you're stating here because it, it points out the fact that like you said, the earth will fulfill its purpose for which it was created and designed. Mm-hmm. We don't really experience that until we're totally returned to the Father, because that was our purpose to be fully returned to Him. You know, that's that's fulfilling our purpose. Purpose, and He's saying that's that's where He says, "Hey, I want you to experience this. this." Is my desire that you can fulfill your purpose too? Because we aren't; we only live a shadow of of the life intended in this mm-hmm. world, and we we think it's all about this world. So this word picture in 4C, just keep that in the forefront of our mind that uh, after it's fulfilled the measure of its creation, it will be crowned with glory, even the presence of the Father. So the earth is sanctified. It, its fulfillment of its purpose is to have the presence of the Father uh, be upon it. 
And then the next verse says that bodies who are of the celestial kingdom may possess it forever and ever. Well, what does that mean? It means you're sanctified. Those that are sanctified will possess this sanctified earth forever and ever. The presence of the Father will be there. For this intent was it made and created. And for this intent are they sanctified. What, so, so far, I, I feel like we're, we've mentioned one thing. People will be sanctified. They'll live on a sanctified earth. Mm-hmm. And the presence of the Father will be there. Because uh, so, sometimes we think of the presence of the Father as this ethereal uh, place way up in outer space, this this kingdom, this right, far. Right, but right. but he, the presence of the Father, he created this earth. <laughs> that yeah. is something. That's far out yeah. thinking, isn't it? Yeah, we it don't is. really think of, of, hey, check out the Grand Canyon, Father. It's like his, he's, <laughs> right. he's going to be, his presence is going to be here in fullness. So yeah. let's move on. This is So this is where we get a little... Uh, Let's just stay on verse by verse so we keep on the same track. They who are not sanctified through the law, what's what's that law that you think they're talking about? Which I have given unto you, even the law of Christ. So it's not the law of Moses, it's the law of Christ. I think the Book of Mormon clearly we we've we've repeated that many times. What what kind of things does the Book of Mormon teach about the law of Christ? Only those who have a broken heart and a and contrite spirit, spirit can right. be sanctified by the right. blood of Christ. Um even the law of Christ must inherit another kingdom, mm-hmm. even that of a terrestrial kingdom, right? Or that of a telestial kingdom. Well, we've already talked about Christ's light being in the moon, the stars, the sun, everywhere. For He is not able to abide the law of the celestial kingdom. That law would be being able to be sanctified. He cannot abide a celestial glory, and he who cannot abide the law of a terrestrial kingdom cannot abide a terrestrial glory. He who cannot abide a law of a telestial kingdom cannot abide a telestial glory. Therefore, he is not meet for a kingdom of glory. Remember, we're we're intertwining kingdoms and laws, Mm -hmm. not places. Mm -hmm. Right. So the kingdom and the law is intertwined, and so you're not following completely the commandments of Christ. You're not completely coming to him and, you know, and, and entering in by the way and, and working through the way, through the spirit. You haven't abided that law. And remember, jump all the way back to the very beginning of this revelation, the Lord's message of peace to us. Yeah, I kind of have this idea that it's like, hey, are we going to come to Christ fully so that he can sanctify us? Or are we going to sit here and fight and abide some lesser law, some lesser kingdom? Right. Because that's, we can't be with him if that's what we're going to, what we're going to do. So it says, uh, therefore, well, we talked about the, these, these law of terrestrial, telestial. It says, if you can't even abide a telestial glory, you're not meet for a kingdom of glory. You're not willing to abide any laws. Yeah. Um, therefore, you must abide a kingdom which is not a kingdom of glory. Uh, and again, I say the earth abideth the celestial kingdom, for it fills the measure of its creation and transgresseth not the law. So these people that don't even have a uh, can't even be resurrected with any amount of light. It's like you're not willing to abide any amount of the law. You're not you're not willing to to be a part of any amount of that kingdom or law. And so. So it seems like people will be, we're talking about that resurrection time when you die and you're made alive again. There's different, you're willing to abide a certain amount of light 
This isn't, again, nothing yet has been mentioned about spending eternity someplace. We're just talking about being resurrected by a quality of light. Right. They shall rise again a spiritual body. They who are of a celestial spirit. Now this is where it's talking about. A celestial spirit shall receive the same body. The attitude, right. Which was a natural body. Even you shall receive your bodies, and your glory shall be that glory by which your bodies are quickened. Again, that, that spirit, what are you willing to abide by with law? So this is huge and, and so plain. We're talking about resurrection and the amount of light that you're being uh, willing to be resurrected by or be made alive by or be quickened by. It's all the same thing. The body and the spirit reunite. I like how you're explaining this. So, so now we're down into 6D. Ye who are quickened or made alive by a portion of the celestial glory. This is, this is the beautiful part of the fullness of the gospel. Shall then receive the same even of fullness. How, what does that mean to you? Or, okay, get out of your mind that you're going to a place. You're being made alive by a portion of the celestial glory. That means you're not perfect, but you are... I feel like you were on a pathway to that. You were desiring. It, it goes into your desiring, and that goes into your humility and your your broken heart and your contrite spirit. That the blood of Christ cleanses you. Then, so you were made. You were quickened by a portion. Which spirit are you willing to be quickened by? Are you willing to be made alive by? You receive the same, even a fullness. Yeah, and that's where you need a savior. Yeah, exactly. You can't get. Those who are quickened by a portion of the terrestrial glory or the law yeah. or the kingdom or the People bright. who died without a law, right. Shall receive. But when I say law, we're talking about glories as equated to laws or kingdom. It's like, what are you willing to abide by? Mm. Shall receive of a same, even a fullness. And also they who are quickened or made alive. That means being resurrected, made alive by a portion of the terrestrial glory shall receive the same, even a fullness. Right. And they who remain... They're going to be made alive too. Yes. Shall also be quickened or made alive or reunited with their body. Nevertheless, they shall return again to their own place to enjoy that which they are willing to receive because they are not willing to enjoy that which they might have received. Now, I'm, I'm going to jump in on that word remain. Yes. Th- this word remain. Uh, I'm, they who remain, remain where? Exactly. This is talking about people in the prison house that... There's like three scriptures I can think of. One of them is later here in 685, but um, this uh, account of Enoch in Genesis 6, 7 in there where he has this vision. He sees when Jesus is resurrected and after his death, he sees the saints who are good, right, who mm-hmm. abided by the, if you will, the celestial, stand on his right hand. But he also sees people in the prison house come forth and stand on his right hand. You know, a, a repentance on in the prison house also equates repentance of the heart, like someone who's alive, if we if, if the repentance is sincere, apparently. But what, what it states there is that, but there were some who were going to remain who would re, be reserved because they didn't repent. And this... Verse here, 6G, those who remain, is talking about these people who were in the prison house who remain there because they still hadn't repented. They, they didn't come forth and they, they were the, what do we, what's the term that section 76 calls the ones who, that the second death has power on? Sons, yeah. Sons so of perdition, right? This, yeah. This, this group, there's two words here, remain and return. Yeah. The, um, 
those who remain is simply saying this last group that wasn't willing to abide any law uh, will return to their own place to enjoy that which they are willing to receive because they are not willing to enjoy that which they might have received. So I said, I just have a comment here, return where? It sounds like back to the prison house. It's it's definitely not going to be in the presence of the Father. And and so it says they're returning to some place. Now here's here's a, a little parable, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. that he tries to make this clear. What does it profit a man if a gift is given to him and he receives not the gift? Yeah. He doesn't rejoice in that gift. Uh, he doesn't rejoice in the giver of the gift. And I say unto you, that which is governed by a law is also preserved by the law and perfected and sanctified by the same. So, again, we're equating glories and being quickened and made alive as as being intertwined with a law, not with a dwelling place, being what you're willing to abide, interact with, uh, be submissive to, all of those things. How you live your life, the fruit you bear, is all inter- is, is basically saying... What is this law that you abided? Mm-hmm. What fruit did you bear in your life? What what desires did you have? Because even if you had such a small desire, if you were on a pathway, it says you're you're made alive with the fullness. And that's a really important concept. And that's why I think we we can't measure, Corey, what you do in your life compared to what I do in my life. And we're gonna get a very beautiful parable later on, I think, that really bears that out. Mm. All right, so what what does it profit you if, if the Lord wants to give you a gift and you don't want it? It says you don't even rejoice in the giver of that gift. And the law, you're governed by the law, you're preserved by the law, and you're perfected by the law. And you that breaketh the law and abideth not by the law, but seeketh to become a law unto yourself... Mm and are willing to abide in sin, and altogether, altogether abideth in sin, cannot be sanctified by law, and as you talked about, neither by mercy or justice or judgment. Therefore, you must remain filthy still. There you go. How many times have we heard that in the Book of Mormon? Yep, yep. You're either cleansed or you're filthy. Yep. You either... You know, stand before God, having a perfect brightness and recollection of your cleanliness, or you're naked and you realize you're filthy. And then section 76 talks about this. Jesus says this at the very beginning of 76. This is my gospel. Only the sons of perdition are not saved. That's right. And so we see it again that it says you wanted to be your own law. You wouldn't abide any other law. So back, back you go. And perhaps to the end in the lake of fire forever. On to verse nine. All kingdoms have a law given. And uh, again, I see this word kingdom is not so much a place as a way of living. It's it's this law that governs the way you live. And there are many kingdoms, for there is no space in which there is no kingdom. And there is no, this is get this gets so hard to follow if you're not even if you're not reading it. There's no kingdom in which there's no space. There's no space in which there's no kingdom. So there's a law governing everything, either a greater or lesser kingdom. And unto every kingdom is a law given. And unto every law there are certain bounds and conditions. All of that to be said in my word, and this is my words, the kingdom and the law are intertwined. And this is helping to define each other. Mm. And why is that important? 
because we sometimes take kingdoms as this, um, as a place, and rather if this is talking about a way of living, a law that you're willing to abide. And again, it uses this word, conditions. All beings who abide not in these conditions are not justified. Um, I don't want to go word for word through all of this next part, but King, I want to get to the parable because I think there's a parable that helps um, explain what we're, what we're reading right now. Mm-hmm. So the Lord goes on to say that he has a, He's given a law unto all things by which they move. What verse are you jumping? Uh, 11. 11, okay. In their times and in their seasons and their courses are fixed, even the courses of the heavens and the earth, which comprehendeth the earth and all the planets. So the planets, the stars, the moons, this is my words, the planets, stars, moons, they abide laws and are kingdoms. And that's the point. He gives a law unto all things, mm-hmm. and they are all moving. And they get it says they give light to each other in their times and their seasons and their minutes. You know, stars burn out, and and new stars are created in their hours, in their days, their weeks, their months, their years. All these are one year with God, but not with man. So I, th- you're going to see this great correlation here about again uh, kingdoms and what they mean. He says, "What shall I like in these kingdoms?" That you may understand. And I want to read 12a. We're going to take this 12a and then go into the parable. The earth rolls upon her wings, the sun giveth its light by day, and the moon giveth her light by night, and the stars also give their light as they roll upon their wings. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Roll, yeah. uh, roll upon their wings in their glory, in the midst of the power of God. Unto what shall I liken these kingdoms that you may understand? I just have to say this. I was flying my drone. I got a little drone. And I was <laughs> trying to secretly take a picture of a guy running a backhoe, and he was underneath this big highway bridge, all concrete. And I thought, I'm just going to fly this right over him, and he won't know it's there. And then all of a sudden, he moved the backhoe. I thought, he's going to hit the drone. So I popped it up too fast, and it hit the bridge. <laughs> and my my drone rolled upon its wings. That's oh, what I was say. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it was okay. Did you take a deep breath? Like, oh, oh, man. Well, the funny thing was I was about a quarter mile away in the, my truck, and this guy, and the and the camera's still going, the video on the drone, and the drone's upside down. It rolled over. You can kind of see this on the video. And it's laying down, and you see this farmer guy, because this is out in the middle of Kansas somewhere, come up and stare at this and kind of <laughs> shrug his shoulders. He picks this thing up, is looking at him. You know, it's, it's recording the whole thing. And by that time, I drove up there and said, it's mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to do with it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyhow, but yeah, rolled on its wings. That's, I'm sorry, my mind with it. No, I'd like you're, to see that video. Yeah, you're doing good, Mike. Keep going. So he asked, what can I like in these things so that you can understand this point that I'm trying to make? Um, I love this phrase in 12c. All of these kingdoms and any man who hath seen any or the least of these hath seen God moving in his majesty mm, and power. Yeah. So all of these kingdoms reflect the glory of God, and that's very important, I think, because he's talking about the glory of the stars and the moon and the, and the sun. The light shineth in darkness, the darkness comprehendeth it not. Nevertheless, the day shall come when you shall comprehend even God being quickened in him and by him. What does that sound like? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that's like the celestial being sanctified and everything. Right, right? so 
He's saying like at nighttime, the sun gives you light. The, the moon gives you light in her time, even the stars. Hmm. And he said, but all of these things, if you've seen any of these things, you've seen the majesty of God. And it says, nevertheless, even though the light doesn't comprehend uh, the darkness, or it says, even though the light comes and the darkness doesn't comprehend it, it says, nevertheless, the day shall come when you shall comprehend even God being quickened in him and by him. Hmm. So important concept. If you've seen these things, you've seen God moving in majesty and power. Then shall you know that you have seen me, that I am, and that I am the true light that is in you, and that you are in me, otherwise you could not abound. Mm-hmm. And again, he says, how will I liken this so that you can understand? How will I liken these kingdoms? I will liken these kingdoms unto a man having a field. And Corey, I want to get your thoughts on this little parable. He sent forth his servants unto the field to dig in the field. And then he goes through this. He says, And under the first, go ye labor in the field, and in the first hour I will come unto you, and you shall behold the joy of my countenance. That's an interesting mm-hmm. phrase. Mm-hmm. He says, Under the second laborer, go ye into the field, and in the second hour I will visit you with the joy of my countenance. And he says, Under the third, I will visit you, and under the fourth, and so on, under the twelfth. And the Lord of the field went into the first in the first hour and tarried with him all that hour, and he was made glad with the light of the countenance of the Lord. And then he withdrew from the first that he might visit the second and the third and the fourth and so on to the twelfth. And thus they all received the light of the countenance of their Lord. Mm-hmm. So the joy and light are intertwined. Every man in his hour and in his time and in his season beginning at the first, and so on unto the last, and from the last unto the first, and the first unto the last, every man in his own order, until his hour was finished, even according as his Lord had commanded him, that his Lord might be glorified in him, and he in him, that they all might be glorified. What is the work and glory of God to bring to pass the eternal light? in the eternal life of man. Mm-hmm. So what is this parable? What do you think this means? Well, I, I think it's sometimes when I see words that are key words that tie into maybe other scriptures, what I focused in was it talked about the hours, but then the first and the last and the last and the first. I, I To me, this is talking about the same as like the Book of Mormon where it's like God's going to visit the humanity in his own way in time and different times each each kind of group, he's going to bring the gospel to, in a sense. You know, they're going to have light and truth. And, and all the way through history, he's got a plan to bring light and truth to the world. Whether we accept it or not is a different story. But I think that, to me, that's this the different groups of people who the master is visiting, you know, and they, they are enjoying his countenance. He's going to, I think, reveal himself to people through time. I do. And, and every laborer... Not only does that probably represent a dispensation of time or or just a time to be with your God and meet him. Mm-hmm. Remember, just jump up a couple of verses. What what did he say? He's like, all things, if you've seen stars, if you've seen moons, if you've seen the sun, all things, you've seen my majesty. Yeah. And even though the darkness doesn't comprehend the light, he then goes back and, and brings that right down to a very intimate level. Mm. He says, nevertheless, the day shall come when you shall comprehend even God being quickened in him and by him. Mm-hmm. And so then we get this parable of 
the joy of the countenance of the Lord being with you, and you you were. Yeah. So I think it means every man in his time is going to bear that countenance of the Lord. In the time and, to come, too, right? Right, 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 right. The yeah, fullness right. of the Father. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And that's it's interesting that it makes that comparison that you point out that, you know, hey, you'll comprehend even God. The thing that we really don't right now, you know, we'll begin to understand. Uh, yeah. So here's my commentary, and this is my commentary, but every man will have time to know him, to work. Remember at the very beginning, he said, this is God's message of peace to us. Mm-hmm. And here's this group in Kirtland. Here's a group in Independence. And guys, we're, we're in the same work. Mm-hmm. We're doing our, we're, we're abiding our own relationship, our own law, our own kingdom with God. Every man will have time to know him, to work, to be glorified, and to glorify him. So what is the definition of glory? To fulfill the measure of your creation. Yeah. Yeah, to have to the be. fullness of the of the of God within you, and by as God is able to fulfill you to your full with His light, you are glorifying Him then, because He was able to perfect His work in you, mm-hmm. and that's why you were created mm-hmm. so that He could perfect Himself in you mm-hmm. and bring you fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. It's such a it's such an unself serving thing for God, and yet it is self serving because He is the source of all love, and so the best way for God to be glorified. Is to is to make this creation, and by His own power, allow them free choice to come back to Him, and then they do it freely. <laughs> and then they do it freely, but but because they're influenced by His great love, yeah, without yeah. ever taking away their freedom. And once yeah. they choose Him, even that He goes to the depths of of taking on flesh and being crucified by His own creation, mm. through this great miracle. People come back to him through their choice, and he is then glorified. And he's like, "This was the purpose of my creation, mm-hmm. so I'm fulfilling the measure of my own of of the creation." By that, that by, really ministers to me. I mean, hearing how you how you state that that's so. Well, again, what so there's a lot of stuff there, but let me ask you what what did we not hear in that whole story? Huh. Did did anybody hear anything about? Being spending eternal life on a sun planet or a moon planet right. or a star planet, I was, nothing. I was just about to say that. I was just going to say, there's there's no talk of that. You're sent to other planets and and different levels and stuff. It's just it, it comes back to the essence of what salvation is. Hey, you, you, the spirit that inhabits you when you leave this earth will be the spirit that you know you have in the next life. The whole point is, though, too, he's combining this idea of resurrection on this earth that when when the millennial time begins there's still a thousand years to go as well and that the whole work isn't finished until the end of that time and i believe that that's when the scripture state will stand on the left hand of god or stand on the right hand of god and this right hand is to be fully sanctified fully redeemed so that we can that's when this time will be fulfilled too where we'll even begin to comprehend God because he's going to re- allow us to return to him. You know, it's, it's beautiful. I love uh, jumping down to 18a. If your eye be single to my glory, your whole bodies will be filled with light and no darkness in you. And that body, which is filled with light, comprehendeth all things. You know, that's again talking about, uh, I think, receiving a part. You re- if, you, if your eye is on that part or you're on that path, then you'll receive the fullness. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I remember a, a, a young girl who's now a young woman years ago, 18B. There was 
I was teaching like a, it was kind of a junior high, senior high mixed group. And we were talking about temptations people were experiencing in school. And, and I remember this young girl at the time saying that she didn't want to, do some of the things her friends were tempting her to do to experiment with certain things and stuff, uh, substances and different things. Because And she, she used this scripture. She said, because I, and she was explaining to the class her testimony. She said, because I want to see God, like the Doctrine and Covenant says, he'll unveil his face in his own way, his own time. You know, if, I, if, I, if my eye is single to him, and, and I just love that. Mm. You know, the innocence of a child, she saw that, no, this is what I want. I want to be mm. able to see God someday, and I don't want to be separated from this opportunity, you know, to put all the temptations of this world into that. It was just just beautiful. That is crazy obedience and desire. What a, a yeah. bit, oh, so pleasing to the, yeah. to the Father. Exactly, exactly. Well, so after all of this, he kind of, after he shares this parable, he goes back and says, all right, so now I'm talking to you, you laborers in this last kingdom. He just shared this this, this uh, parable with them. So God's going to speak to his he, – he brings, he brings them back out of this long dialogue so far in this parable, and he says, okay, so ye who are laborers in this last kingdom, and he tells them, sanctify yourselves, cleanse your hands and your feet, and uh, go forth and basically labor and teach each other these laws of the kingdom and teach the people around you and warn warn them of this that I'm coming back and that you know you need to abide my laws and and I'm not going to go through all of this uh, but like like in 24a he says abide in the liberty wherewith you are made free entangle not yourselves in sin but let your hands be clean until the Lord comes I feel like he's still chastening these two groups of men get along you know you're free my, I'm you're going to be with me in my kingdom. Don't get all caught up in this stuff. And then at the end of this whole uh, revelation, he again, um, as you said, kind of a chiasm, he goes back and he, I think he's restating the same thing, only instead of resurrection, he's just he's talking about angels and trumpets, and it gets more of this book of revelation in the Bible type type feel. I mean, what do you, you agree to that? Oh, totally, yeah. And, and I think what, I th- I'm glad you stated that for the reason that this whole revelation, which sounds in the beginning like it's talking about different worlds and places, isn't that. It's talking about exactly what you said. It's talking about abiding by God's laws. Some people will and some people won't. And then this is what happens at the day of resurrection. And this is what I think starts on right. the 27th. And it, it doesn't even sound like worlds to me anymore when no, you go through it. No. I have a hard time seeing it the way I used to. I like, how did I ever get that meaning? So, yeah, so... Well, you know, to answer that point you just made, I was thinking about that too. How do we arrive at this? And I, and I just, you know, it occurred to me. I don't think very many people have have really taken the time to examine. And I'm not trying to say people don't study. Don't get me wrong. I think saints in the restoration study more than any other group probably in Christianity. But I think sometimes when you get a paradigm in your mind. You don't ever re-examine it. You just, you know, you say, oh, this is talking about other worlds. Oh, yeah, I can see that. The terrestrial world, they must abide a different glory, you know, glory of the worlds and planets. But, you know, to do what we're doing here and go through line and by line, uh, I think I think this has been needed for a generation or more. Yeah. Well, 
I hope we see that glories is intertwined with laws and kingdoms and worlds and glories are all intertwined. It's it's what are you willing to abide? What truth and, and what spirit are you going to be made alive by? That's it. Right. But here he says some bad things are coming. We're talking about the end of time when, when Christ, uh, when the trumps begin to sound. The days are coming when the earth shall tremble, reel to and fro as a drunken man. Yeah. What a great word picture. Yeah. The sun will hide its face. Refuse to give light. The moon shall be bathed in blood. The stars shall become angry and cast themselves down. It's crazy because you see these things in the news every every news cycle. It seems every few months or years or decades. You know, we had the eclipse not too long ago where the sun disappeared in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. We were all out in the parking lot looking mm-hmm. up at the sun, and then you have these. Well, you know, come out tonight at three in the morning. You'll see all kinds of falling stars, and so. People try to line this up with a time period, but it says <laughs> there is a great commotion coming, a great, um, the earth will reel to and fro like a drunken man. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And then comes the wrath and indignation upon the people and the earthquakes, groanings, men fall to the ground, shall not stand, thunderings, lightnings. Tempest, waves of the sea, heaving them beyond their bounds. All these things shall be in commotion. And men's, this is the the part that gets me. And that's why the the purpose of this whole thing is like, go out and talk to people about me and give them my laws because men's hearts shall fail them. Mm. It says, fear shall come upon all people and angels shall fly through the midst of heaven, crying with a loud voice, sounding the trump of God. And here we get into this imagery saying, prepare Prepare, O inhabitants of the earth, for the judgment of your God is come, and the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. So that's what we were talking about the last exactly. podcast right there. right? That day where the bridegroom comes back for the bride. So we, we're talking about the return of Christ, right? The beginning, bridegroom. Beginning of the millennium, right. And right. so just everyone, I think, you know, if, if, you haven't, if you haven't seen this before, realize this whole section is talking about this right here. When the bridegroom returns for the church. It's at the beginning of the millennium. Yes. And so the angel shall sound his trump, the great church, the mother of abominations, that made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, that persecuteth the saints of God, that shed their blood, uh, is ready to be burned. Mm-hmm. And now there's there's an interesting parallel right there in the 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 this mother of abominations is compared to a whore in fornication and he's coming to a bride who will be purified and who has mm. remained pure you know this is interesting and, and this is also you know uh if if people who've thought somehow that uh polygamy was uh somehow justified by god no, because there's always only been one bride and one groom. There's no spiritual justification for polygamy, you know, it's, it's with Jesus and the, and the resurrection. I know we've talked about that before, but I just got to throw it in. He's coming for one bride, and the counterfeit bride was this whore who made humanity suffer the wrath of God, and he's coming to bring the mercy, you know, of God to us. And and this the fornication versus the purity versus the consummation, you know, all these things have their parallel. Yeah, and that so this first Trump is talking about that church of abomination, the, the counterpart to the saints, that she's ready to be burned, and he shall sound his trump both long and loud, and all nations shall hear it. Here's this angel sounding the trump. 
There'll be silence in heaven for half an hour, and immediately after shall the curtain of heaven be unfolded as a scroll is unfolded. Can you picture that and rolled up? Yeah. That heaven is like, like that in the like face. The big curtain. Yes. The stage rising. And what happens? The face of the Lord shall be unveiled. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that in glory. And the saints that are upon the earth who are alive shall be quickened, made alive. So does that mean you're resurrected or you're, you're, you're already alive, but you're quickened, made alive? Uh, that's the saints. Yeah. So I believe this is where those that haven't been in the presence of the Father are made alive or quickened and yeah. caught up to meet him, it says. Yeah, changed into immortality and in that, in that essence in yeah. that moment. Right? So that's one group. That's those that are alive. You're still transformed to be in the presence of the Father. You're quickened, you're made alive, and caught up to meet him. Here's another group. They who have slept in their graves shall come forth. Their graves shall be opened, and they shall be caught up to meet him. In the midst of the pillar of heaven, they are Christ's, the first fruit. So... Here, here's a first problem if you think that it's like Christ is with the moon, the Father's with the sun. This is say these are Christ, the first fruits. Amen. Those that have been uh, uh, cleansed in his blood. And, and, and all this means, too, just by the way, is this quickening means it's the joining of the soul with spirit. the, immortal, yeah, the spirit. Yeah. Right? I like the, the language here, the spirit to the body. Yeah, that's all it is. And these these ones who says their graves open, you know, these weren't people who were, I heard someone use the word stasis once, like they were in some comatose state. It just means the people who have already died, their spirit was in paradise already. Now this is their quickening or resurrection where they're getting their immortal body. So we've got people who are the... The, the saints on the earth who have been obedient, quickened when he comes, people who are in heaven and paradise, they're quickened. This is the quickening of all those who are Christ's at this first trumpet. Right. And they will descend with him first. They who are on the earth and in their graves are caught up to meet him. And this by the voice of the trump, this first trump we've heard about, the angel of God. Right. So after this, we have another trump. And after this, another angel shall sound, which is the second trump of the angel of God. And after this, another angel. Uh, oh, sorry. No, you, you can't. You were at twenty-eight A. You can't. can't and no one can miss the last half of twenty-eight A. Notice it says the second trump. Then cometh the redemption of those who are Christ's at His coming. The first twenty-six and twenty-seven just talked about the saints who were. His at his coming, right? Mm-hmm. You know, those who are the saints and those who are slept into the graves who are in paradise. But now the second trump, and, and this is why I think it's so important, the, those who are Christ at his coming starts to talk about people in 28B. Where are those people from? Yeah, they've received their part in that prison, which is prepared for them, that they, this is the beautiful fullness <laughs> of the gospel, that they what? What was the purpose of the prison house? To receive the gospel. To, to receive taught. the gospel. Not to be punished because you're wicked, which there is some punishment to that, yeah, but yeah. You're, the purpose, why was it prepared? It was prepared for them that. That word, okay, here comes the purpose. They may receive the gospel. The prison house is a place for people to receive the gospel, respond, and become Christ. It says these are Christ's at his coming, just like the first group was Christ's at his coming. Right. And then it, just like in the earlier part of section 85, it uses the language celestial, terrestrial, right. telestial. Now it's describing those people without using the words, but it's the same thing. Section 76 does this so well. Paragraph 5 of 76 is the celestial, those who are keeping the commandments. Section 76, verse 6, is this next group that we see in 28b, these who were 
in the prison house who now come forth and they are Christ. They stand on the right hand of God. I wrote in the margin here in my own notes, I like the fact they aren't calling them the traditional celestial, terrestrial, telestial, because it shows that they correlate with just another picture, this angel sounding a trump and people are being resurrected. Exactly. So that's important that it's it's given with a different um, little word picture, I think, because it's... It's our traditions that try to make all of this fit together as some final place, and it's just not what it says. So I wrote here this first group, this second group that uh, that was in prison but received the gospel would be the terrestrial group if you correlate them. Yeah, if you correlate it. But it's like what's different is it's not this word picture of people who are going off to be No, we should use this. Gun. We should just— Take our traditional and say, oh, are you talking about the second Trumpers or the first Trumpers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that right. fits in good with our, uh, our, our or, political, or political landscape. Uh, so, so then we get to the next group, and here's another Trump shall sound. Third Trump. Third Trump. And cometh the spirits of men who are to be judged, and they're still under condemnation. Well, why would that be? Well, they didn't receive yet the glory or the law, or the they're not willing to receive that law as they're being taught. And it says, these are the rest of the dead and they live not again until the thousand years are ended. So here we're back in our time frame, the beginning of the millennium until the thousand years are ended, neither again until the end of the earth. Right. Which is just restating it. But remember that word remain that mm-hmm. we saw in the beginning. Uh, it was right. What, what was the verse? It was early on like four or five or six. I want to find it real quick. Um, it's 6G, and they who remain shall be quickened. Nevertheless, they shall return to their own place. That's this same group of people that, you know, verse 6 was talking about these celestial, terrestrial, telestial. Those who remain are these ones that we're talking about right here with this next trump. They were in this telestial place, if you will, which is just the word for hell or the, the you know, this uh, underworld, if you will, who weren't repentant, and that's the whole point is that they had what they were willing to receive. They didn't want to receive Christ. Right. And this is the first group that, remember, the other two groups are both Christ's, really, whether you were in the prison house and came forward or whether you were caught up to meeting as the saints of God in the grave, you right. know, probably those in paradise. But they're all Christ now. Exactly. The only group that's not Christ is this group that still refuses. And it says they then have no part in the first resurrection. They, they remain for a thousand years. Yep. So here comes another trump. Another group of people. The fourth trump will sound, saying, These are found among those who are to remain until the great day, even the end. And now here's a, a separation. So you have one group that remains to the end. So why would you need to separate out another group? Because this has an ex, extra added description. They shall remain filthy still. Yes, exactly. And it's of those who who never came out. Some are going to the prison house. They're going to remain till the thousand years are ended. Some have been in the prison house, and they're not coming out. Right? Well, that's so this is why why uh, add this little extra description, they who remain filthy still, leads what? me to believe the other group that went back to the prison house, even though a thousand years passes by, they aren't going to remain filthy. Well, right, exactly, because in the end, everyone is released at the end of the millennium, and and in his, this is the final judgment. The resurrection of the just is what we're reading about, all the good people who are alive on the earth, who are Christ's at his coming. The dead, this is what Revelation calls the dead, those who spend the thousand years in hell. At the end of the thousand years, everyone comes forth. But this 
idea right here, I think, and, and the way I'm reading this, is 29 is saying, The trump shall sound, which is the third trump, cometh the spirits of men to be judged and found under condemnation. That could also be people who are alive on the earth, right? Who are saying, hey, these are the spirits of people who are um, condemned because they have been wicked, and they go to hell for the thousand years. And then verse 30, I think, is talking about those who have been in hell who aren't coming out because they haven't repented yet. And so I think that's what it says, the fourth trump. Mm. These are found among those who are to remain until that late, great and last day, even the end, who shall remain filthy still. That's that's a good point. Either either way, I would term these people as the sons of perdition yes, if you remain filthy. That's what that's exactly, and that's only what it is, which is what the scriptures and the Book of Mormon have been saying all along, right? And what and what the scriptures previous previously said in the Doctrine and Covenants that only the sons of perdition won't be saved. Exactly. It's and and why? It's because that's what they were willing to receive. They 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 knew, and they said no. Well, let's skip down to thirty three because here's the big, the big uh, finale here that okay. gives people pause. And another angel shall sound his trump, which is the seventh angel, saying, "It is finished. It is finished. The Lamb of God hath overcome and trodden the winepress alone, even the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God." And then shall the angels be crowned with the glory of his might, and the saints shall be filled with his glory and receive their inheritance and be made equal with him. Mm-hmm. What about that? Yeah. And, and you know, this interesting because all this is, I mean, it's, it's more than we can fathom. It, it certainly is. But this is how the millennium starts is that people who have, this is why the Book of Mormon teaches you want to obtain the first resurrection. Those are actual words from the Book of Mormon. Because all this life is to give you the opportunity to choose God so that when he comes, he wants to share everything with you, you know? And obviously being made equal with him is not some uh, reference to, I mean, you can't even read it in the scripture that somehow we're going to be gods in other places. That's not what it means. You know, it means that we're his friends, as scripture states, that he shares everything he has with us. This revelation goes on and, and talks, I like that he says, you know, he talks about the devil being bound and uh, and then there's a great battle in heaven. It's fascinating to read, but he gets back to this. He goes, guys, teach each other words of wisdom, worship together, be yeah. brothers. And he talks about the temple and its place of teaching and, and greeting each other as brethren in Christ. But that, that's, that has summed up, what we've talked about has summed up uh, this uh, complex idea of eternal life both in 76 and in 85 and these two have been used together again to teach uh going to a final place uh perhaps saved but not in the presence of the father perhaps not in the presence of the son yeah i i just don't see that i don't think we've mentioned that anywhere have we talked about what happens after eternal judgment right this is all the restoring of the spirit to the body the soul of men and what spirit are you willing to be quickened by? Exactly. And what will happen if you're not? You know, you've used this word in our other conversations off air, but I want to bring it up. You know, the burden of proof, and that's the term right. you used, is is really upon people now to prove where does it say you're going to another world? Where does it say? Actually, that doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. It was notions of men who had sometimes subversive motives back in the late days of Joseph Smith and beyond, who were promoting these ideas that 
salvation was this infinite place where we're all segregated and divided. And it's totally contrary to the power of the Savior who says, no, I've got this place and I want to make everything I have available yeah. to you. This is what I want for you. And, and to somehow to believe this notion that our generation has lived under, it, that somehow, well, God saves you from hell, but he doesn't really save you. But, you know, it's all your sum total works. It, it just diminishes the power of God of everything that he's promised to us, this home that he's built mm -hmm. for us, which our eyes haven't seen or ears heard. And, you know, that's a figurative word, this home, but this existence where he wants to share as this revelation, I think, rightfully states, to make equal with us, to, to not hold anything back. That's e what it means. Even, Corey, if, if this revelation came out and and it very clearly stated, after you are judged, the Lord will line up all of your works and will give you a reward. Uh, yours might be as great as the sun, and you will live there with the best of the best. Yours may, and even if it clearly did say that, I would have to reject that because I, want, I would say that's another gospel because as far as everything God, my creator, that you've taught me about life and eternity and what our purpose is, you've never mentioned that you weren't going to cleanse me or... Exactly. It, so this would be a new gospel. It, it's not a new gospel, but it would be. And so would we accept that? Yeah. But we have accepted that meaning to some extent. And so that's very, very... Uh, dangerous. It's dangerous. And at the same time, I, I feel, and I know you feel this way too, Mike, that perhaps the day is coming when our people can see and understand this and tell the truth with clarity and the simpleness of it. But when we do, that's when the power will come. I think that's when the power will be restored to the people, mm -hmm. uh, uh, God's people. You know, when we start telling the story correctly, because it reveals a God who's so much greater in might and strength than we've ever revealed right. before. You know, we focused a lot on what the plan of salvation is not, and, and we have focused on what the plan of salvation is. But that would be fun to just do a little, a little deal where, hey, let's just, let's just talk about what is the gospel and how do you share that and how does that give people hope, the fullness of the gospel, and, and in more of a positive way, leaving out all of the categories. Because there's always been, I think, when we share the gospel— an ulterior motive of not just getting people to come to Christ, but but through our lens, like we have to go through why you need to be baptized by someone with authority and why you need to um, do all of these things and, and come to our church and all of that. And, and that's all important, but not before the testimony of having a testimony of Jesus Amen. and coming to Christ. That's the most important thing, and that's the fullness of the gospel. It is. You know, I, I want to throw this in here. So, it, you know, I don't try to judge by who says what or the other, but I was talking to a friend who um, had had a lot of questions, and then after this class said, you know, I feel like I've got more answers than questions now. And, and that's what the truth of God is, that it speaks to our heart, it edifies our soul, and, and it clarifies. Right. There's probably some trepidation on, you know, is this going to be divisive or not? But then to see uh, those fears uh, just alleviated as thoughts come and you look at the Word with fresh eyes, uh, and to see people be like, you know, they're really not afraid, but like feeling some comfort and some excitement, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and so just hearing that type of feedback made me feel like, Praise the Lord. Um, you know, truth is being shared. 
I've received, I don't know how many texts, even last night, got a got an email from someone else who, who listens and follows and just said, you know, I've just never heard it explained that way. It all makes so much sense. And I feel like this prayer is being answered right now in our midst that, that people are receiving, are finding the truth of God that's been in the scripture all along. And it's, it's powerful. I think it, it helps us be more powerful in how we understand him. It helps give us the potential to, to share the solid message of redemption with people and not just this, you know, sometimes watered down going in 10 different directions message that we thought we had to share with people. Yeah, I agree. This, um, this is a long one, but uh, take, well, I'll probably go back and just give a little heads up at the beginning of this uh, to take your time. So um, take your time with these things, go over them slowly and just pray that, you know, God's, um, Holy Spirit guides you into what is truth and what his plan is for you. The most important thing as a church, I believe for us, is we have to have the plan of salvation um, solidified in our minds and hearts so that we can share it with the world, the great hope, the perfect brightness of hope that the Book of Mormon speaks of. And we can't have a hope that's perfectly bright if it's convoluted and contrary to the word of God and that his plan is to bring all men back to him except those sons of perdition that just refuse to have anything to do with them. So that's important, Corey, when we're walking each other home. Amen, brother, (laughs) when we're walking each other home. Until next time, God bless.